You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. We must be doing pretty good. So this is uh, a... I don't even know what we'd call this. It's not really a secret it's a tape. Road trip. It's a road trip uh, edition of Native Plants Healthy Planet. We are in the car on the way to Mance, and uh, which is the Mid Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. And um, we still figured, have an hour and a half to kill. Oh yeah, yeah, hour and a half to kill. We figured we shouldn't let any time go wasted. We have instead of sitting here and talking about food and uh, and life problems and that kind of stuff, we we figured, <laughs> hey, why not use this time productively? And get some content um, out of it. I will say on the the way home from setting up Mance, we talked about food the whole time. I was starving <laughs> by the time I got home. Yeah, and my my wife did approve of my plan for dinner on Friday because uh, oh. we're gonna drive past. Well, I'll drive past um, that place, Lillo's, which is supposed to be like one of the best new pizza and cheesesteak places in uh, in South Jersey. Yeah. So uh, yeah, she was on board with that. Awesome. So surprise! I, I don't. I always get confused because it's in Haynesport, New Jersey, and um, I'm like, oh yeah, Haynesport is much further away than I think it is, but it's no, not. It's actually no, a lot closer really close than I think you, it yeah. is. I'm like, oh yeah, Haynesport's close, and then I'm like, oh no, it's no, it's like more like half an hour, forty minutes away. I'm like, no, it's fifteen to twenty. No, it's close, yeah. So yeah, so that's the plan on Friday. But uh, we're really excited to go down to this because we haven't done really a live trade show in two plus years it, it's so. been a long time and even if where there were live shows you know the threat of covid was still looming mm-hmm. and and they weren't very well attended yeah it felt like well we we just went the one day just kind of check out and see who was there yeah um even though we've set up our booth i went down i think a couple days early set up the booth and then we just went down the last day and just walked for around for like an hour or two to see who was all there and then then left um and you could tell like everyone was like a little on edge. Yeah. Everyone's masked up and just... You're trying to distance. You're trying to yeah. be safe. And yeah. Everyone just seemed a little uncomfortable. So, uh, but this year seems to be different. There's um, an excitement. Yeah. There's, people are excited to to be able to talk to each other face-to-face, shake hands. So, and I know just from social media, there's a lot of folks that are planning on coming to see us because they either listen to our podcast or uh, or follow our social media accounts. So some people we haven't been able to get to meet in person, um, but we've made a connection with over the last two years that we're going to finally get to meet. So That's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. But the main thing we wanted to do today was talk about uh, a topic I kind of picked out, and that was what do we wish we knew 10 years ago that we know now? Um Particularly native plants now, okay. uh, friend. I don't want you going way off topic here. Right. Uh, <laughs> I wish I knew the, the Phillies were going to be in the World yeah, Series. Yeah, man, I I would have bet that much differently. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I don't just just for clarification, it's seven fifteen in the morning, and yeah. I don't know how coherent I'm going to be because I haven't had Magic Mind or coffee or anything. So. Um, He's living that that clean life. Yes. That I I wake up like this every day. <laughs> my wife is like always surprised because my alarm will go off and I'll literally just like roll out of bed and I'm like like I've been up for an hour 
<laughs> just like in the flow of things. I'm talking normally, and she's very much the person who's like really groggy. It takes her a while to like get going, and I don't know. I'm always I'm the I'm that way on the other end where I'm like it's time to go to sleep. I know you want to stay out with your friends. I need to go to sleep, or I'm literally gonna fall asleep right here. Listen, my so. motives are are different today. Like when I got up, Agatha made coffee, and I was looking at it, and she was like, "You want a cup?" And I was like, "No." She's like, why not? Just make a cup. And I was like, we're going to be cutting it close. And if I have a cup of coffee, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to stop. So, um, let's see. What do I wish I knew 10 years ago? You know, professionally speaking, not not so much in the world of native plants. But professionally speaking for me, you know, when I came to Pinelands, I had to learn. Like, I knew plants, but I didn't know them the way I needed to know them. So... You know, I became a sponge and I learned what I needed to learn, but it was more to be a better salesman or yeah. to do my job better. At least I thought mm-hmm. at that point, like yeah. I need to know the products if I'm going to sell because I came from that type of background. Yep. But I didn't really get it or embrace it till we started doing the podcast that it's I can do my job better and I'm better at my job by being passionate not that I mm-hmm. wasn't passionate about it just I didn't have a full I I got it but I didn't understand it if yeah. that makes sense like yeah. I knew it but I didn't grasp it yeah and I definitely was in the same way too so I like I grew up in this business and um, and yeah I kind of went through some of the same things and you're on the just family like, end, so it has to be a business. Like yeah, a business. yeah, and it was. Uh, I didn't. Re- I didn't get it until I started working in it, and then really, it was, a lot of it was exposure to people we had on the podcast, like Bill Young and uh, and Emil Devito, and people who already got it. And yeah. the, it's like, oh, this is more than just. We aren't just growing plants. We're growing plants that make a difference. They're creating habitat. They're preventing erosion. They're I think that might have been, been part of it too. Is I really was focused more on the erosion side of things, yeah. and less on the habit, like habitat and ecosystem side of things. Yes, uh, I knew that was like a auxiliary benefit. I didn't think of it as much of a main benefit. Yeah, um, like, like and I, I think that's still the case in the industry. People are more thinking erosion control than habitat. But from a, well, I'm just thinking of the plants we have. A lot more of them. A more main focus is is habitat now where it used to not be yeah i you know most of my contact with customers were the people that were boots on the ground doing mm-hmm. the work not the environmentalists yeah. or the engineers that had a better understanding of why the work needed to be done yep so i'm i i was learning what i needed to know to work with the people i needed to work with mm-hmm. but being exposed to all these other people kind of enlightened me and it's changed, I I feel at least it's changed how I do my job because I have a much different understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I just wish, you know, I've been here 15 years or doing this end of it 15 years. I wish I would have known that a lot sooner than yeah. now. Yeah. Like, and I feel like your dad, your dad got it, was trying to nudge me in the right direction, mm-hmm. but I wasn't getting it. Yeah, it's a... Uh... But uh, it was up until recently, I think, where I finally started to get it. Um, 
and even how I started to get it first was more out of guilt. It was like, well, now that I know this stuff, I can't, I can't not have a native plant garden at home. <laughs> I can't not advocate for this stuff. When I, when I know it's clearly better, when you look at scientific data, um, we're talked about it with, uh, with what's in the uh, National Wildlife Federation, oh, Mary, Mary Phillips, with yeah. <laughs> Mary Phillips, not Foundation Federation. And, um, that, uh, I forget where I was going with that. I got sidetracked on the Foundation Federation thing. And then I remember the secret I told you, and it was like, I don't know. I've been doing that a lot lately. This is one of the moments that I'm actually glad this is getting brought up. This is one of the moments I'm, like, wondering if a listener is going to write in, and they happen to be a doctor or a nurse or something, and be like, oh, you have something seriously wrong. You need to go to a doctor right now. Yeah, there's something wrong with you that this is happening. Yeah, this it's, isn't funny. This you is typical. Yeah. But I've been, like, screwing up the the like foundation federation or like association society thing at the end of things. So I'm the vice president of the New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association. I'm on a conference call with our executive director, Lori Jensen, who's been on the podcast too. And it's like, we're doing introductions. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm the, I'm the vice president of the New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Society. And I'm like, I don't know why I just said that. (laughs) It just came out that way. I've never, I've never said it that way before my life. I, but now I can't stop saying it. I just like that's what just comes out. I think yeah. I think we're we're at such a time of the year where there's so much going on. Yeah. We're being pulled in so many directions. It's hard not to to do those things. Yeah. But now, you were saying like once you kind of realize the the importance of doing mm-hmm. it. And, uh, oh yeah, and yeah. Feel so, guilty not doing it. Yeah, so but, I was, felt guilty not doing it. And then it kind of switched into a more of like this is this is really important and well I guess I still feel guilty if I didn't do it I I look at my garden now you know and I'm like how can how can I choose to plant something that isn't giving back just for my personal wants um, and that's just how I am as a person I like I I tend to be a little too honest sometimes because I just can't bring myself to to lie about things, um, even if it's for the greater good of um, of someone's emotions. Yeah. So. Well, even with talking with Mary, and I don't want to go into it too much. I know by the time you hear this, that will have aired, but I kind of like to discuss it more on the buzz. Yeah. Also, because yep. I have, a, after reading all the links that she sent, I have so much more to say. We could have talked to Mary mm-hmm. for another hour easily. Yeah. But, one and of the things I, oh, I, was, I was just saying, I was really proud after talking to her and looking into what it takes to make your yard mm-hmm. a certified wildlife habitat that my yard actually qualified. Yeah. And I actually uh, got it certified mm-hmm. like the, the same day we talked to Mary. And I'm very proud of that. that, yeah. that and, and the research that, hey, you know, we know that the yards that are certified have more birds and more diverse more birds. Mm-hmm. And that, like, if there's proof that all this is working and people are catching on. Yeah, and it's, definitely. I, I feel like not as only just catching on with the general public, it's catching on with me, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and, and it should because we're the carriers of yeah, that information. Definitely. There's a responsibility to it. Yeah. So one one of the things that I wish I knew probably like ten years ago was about the the crux of it, um, or about that time where I like. I really wish I knew this then, or I would be way further ahead of where I am now. 
was um, how connected all these, like, a lot of my hobbies are in that <laughs> I like to have a, a vegetable garden at home. I really enjoy hunting and fishing. I like, I wouldn't say I really love, like, gardening per se, like, uh, like visual gardening, but, um, but so many of those things that I like to do, like hiking, hunting, fishing, even vegetable gardening is, uh, they're so connected, like to the outdoors. I always thought of them as their own individual pockets and it was actually hunting podcast. That's I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I've told this story numerous times too. listen to a lot of podcasts. And realize, hey, this is a great way to learn things, like about things you're passionate in. Well, I've, I've kind of stopped hunting when I was in college. I was getting back into it. Started listening to podcasts. And I'm like, I should listen to podcasts about hunting because I listen to some of the smartest people. And some of them are just like a little bit too, uh, I guess, yee-yee is one yeah. way to put it. Like a little, not, I don't want to say redneck as a, a negative term, but um, a little bit. I don't know the right term to put it, but I'm hoping people understand the vibe that I'm talking about. Then I came across a couple. There's one called Wired to Hunt that was just much more analytical, thought the way I think about things, just very data-driven approaches and stuff, and would talk to experts, but then really dive into the the reasoning behind why they did stuff, not just, oh, yeah, I did this, and I saw a big buck, and that was, or I did that. But they started to talk about habitat stuff and like the ethics behind why they were doing what they're doing. Same thing with the Meteor podcast with a big fan. They talk about the ethics of why they do what they do and how important the ecosystem is to what they do. And um, and then through another string of I started listening to Land and Legacy podcast and then they start that's where it really connected the dots. Oh, native plants and hunting, native animals, really go hand in hand. If you want to have uh, good hunting opportunities. It's it's connected to the native ecosystems, and our native ecosystems are in decline. And I start thinking about all these other things I learned about deer um, overabundance, and like we're losing pollinators, and this is all connected. Every like every so even if I want to have better yields in my vegetable garden at home, it helps to plant native plants around it because you're attracting pollinators that are then going to go and pollinate the tomatoes, and pollinate your eggplants, and pollinate all the other stuff that you have in there, your peppers. If you don't have um, the, the, you'll still get plants, but that's when you look at hydroponic tomato houses, you're either bringing in bees or they're literally taking electric toothbrushes and pollinating the flowers to get that buzz to knock the pollen loose. And so, and Fran, we're officially in Delaware. I yes, just point that out. We're we crossed from New Jersey into Delaware, um, which is only a short portion of our journey. As we cross into yeah. Maryland. Not far from where I used to live. But, but yeah, just yeah. that realization that all this stuff is connected. No matter what your hobby is, well, I should, there's probably some exceptions, but, but so many of your hobbies are connected to just having native plants. And I agree. And I and in turn, I feel more connected. Same thing like yeah. I did podcasts. Now, like, it's, it's amazing doing a podcast about this. I've always loved photography. You know, I was doing my, my kids' sports mm-hmm. and then concerts. Um, now I, I do nature photography and bird photography. Yeah. And, like, like how, for how much I love birding now, it's amazing that maybe I hadn't had made that connection if mm-hmm. it wasn't for this. Yeah. You know, and Agatha was making fun of me because we went for a hike on 
Saturday and Sunday, and I took my camera both days so I could take pictures of birds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I stop, just keep walking. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll catch up with you. Yeah. You know, and it was just how much I enjoyed, you know, and I mentioned it when we were talking about Mary, I sat in the backyard for an hour just taking pictures of birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I feel more connected in a way that I never have, and I wish I would have discovered it earlier, but in the same thing, maybe I wasn't ready 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, you have to walk that journey, and, and I got there in my own time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I think that a lot can be said for that in life in general, just what you're ready to do when you're ready to do it. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, like, thing, doors open when they're, well, I shouldn't say when you're ready. When doors ready. open all the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. sometimes you're just not ready or you don't see that door yeah. open. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just that that sense of or knowing that all this stuff is connected. Just it's It blows my mind to this day when we're talking about stuff. Because even when we're talking about the episode with Mary, it's like she talks about all these other organizations that they're connected with that don't all hold the same. They hold a similar mission, but not the same mission. Yeah. But while they're, I, this is a, a phrase I use a lot. While the end goal may be different, the process is the same. Yes. If we want to have better hunting habitat for deer, ducks, or turkeys, creating healthy habitat for them to uh, to live and eat and all that is really important. Yeah. If you want to have better pollinator habitat, you need to create or better po- or more pollinators and more birds. You need to have the plants that are going to kind of provide the the food and the cover and all that for them. Yeah, and this is where it like blew my mind. Is those things are the same? The the plants that you need for both of those things are the now for individual species yeah. they're a little different. That's an overgeneralization, but uh, a spice bush in the woods, while it's great for spice bush swallowtails, is also great for for deer cover. And a lot of these, we we even joke around about it. There's that power plant that. Um, wanted to put in pollinator habitat because uh, because they didn't basically they didn't want to mow it. It was a financial savings. And then they could take that oh, well, if we plant pollinator plants then we can flip it around and put it as promotional market. Hey, look what we're doing to so it was a double win for them. They were yeah. saving money on maintenance. They didn't have to mow it anymore. And then they could also use it as marketing saying, look how green we are. Yes. Even though we're I think they were nuclear, so I don't want to say they were burning coal and oil and all that stuff. But even though we're doing something that is is uh, extractive, um, we're giving back in a, in a different way. And um, but they said they couldn't do they didn't when they group tested it they couldn't use the word pollinator because people thought of bees and then people thought of bee allergies and it had a negative connotation. Where if you switch to monarch, everyone loved it. Same exact plants. The plan was did not change. It was literally the the name and the framing. It, it's so. amazing just the wording, how it catches or how it doesn't. Yep. It's, yep. It, it amazes me. It's um, and we've seen this with other corporations too. And I don't want to name names, but there was a corporation that created a forty acre uh, wetlands as a wastewater treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and they were able to. Save money, do it naturally, and use it as a good marketing technique mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, look, look what we're doing. We're giving back. We're doing things the right way." Um, and it was a big deal. And it's yeah, um, oh, yeah. You know, I'll take those. Whatever the motive is, yep. 
I'll, I'll take those because they're doing good for so many. It, it created so many good things. Mm-hmm. But um, I know sometimes motives are, are different to do it, but as long as the work gets done, that's all I, yeah. I care about. So one of the things I wish, I uh, an additional thing I wish I knew 10 years ago, even even three years ago, I wish I knew plant ID, even now, still way better than I do. I'm a lot better than I was, but uh, yeah, I really wish I paid attention to my dad when we were driving around and or walking around saying, hey, what tree's this? What tree's that? But, you know, because uh, I, it is a really, really important skill when you are outside. It is, and it's, but it's a lot of trees. It's a lot of plants to try to remember. Yeah. Like, and I've had walks with your dad too, where like going through the pine barrens. Mm-hmm given me tips to identify the pines in certain yeah. ways. But if you're not doing it all the time, yeah, you know, he gave me that information 10 years ago and because it was not like something that stands out like, oh, a, a sycamore has white bark. You know what I mean? Like yep. it was something a little more nuanced. I don't remember. Yeah. You know, so unless you're, you're practicing it, a lot of these things, like if you're going for a hike, and you're like, see how many plants you can name while you're hiking. I do it all the time. I'm like, this is this. That's the common name. That's the botanical name. Just mm-hmm. trying to 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 get it into my memory. So yeah. And and for those who are taking that tip and want to do it at home, consider doing it to yourself because there's no yeah. oh I nothing tr- yeah, that's going to annoy people, <laughs> people more than doing that out loud. Uh, the amount of times my wife's like, hey, you just need to stop a little bit because yeah. not everyone cares. Yeah. Um, when I'm walking around saying, oh, look, look, it's a, a wild grape. Oh, there's grapes <laughs> on there. We should eat them. Or, like, oh, I get excited about all kinds of stuff. I um, only say one in ten aloud. Yeah. You know, where people can hear it. Otherwise, <laughs> they're just internally in my head. Yeah. You know. Um, but one of the things also, just hiking around and, and doing that, and maybe people heeded my advice earlier and were doing it internally, and that's why I don't know that they're doing it, but it's just kind of amazing to me how many people enjoy hiking. Like, we'll go out to a, a nature center and do a hike, and uh, I'm thinking of one moment. People aren't even, like, one, they aren't, if they're paying attention to the plants at all, it's surprising. But two, then, they definitely don't know a lot of the names of the plants. So, while I criticize myself for not being able to identify, identify plants as well as I should, in my mind, I'm still better than most, yeah. I think. Um, it's just the circles we run around with. I tend to be, I, I feel embarrassed because I'm like, oh, these people know their stuff way better than I do. Um, but then again, my role in the business isn't so much that stuff, too. They're doing it every day, though, too. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's more their job to know that. Um, one of the things I wish I would have known 10 years ago or, or done 10 years ago was just eat a little healthier. Uh, especially now that I'm older, like even to keep weight in check, I've always said I'll just eat less. I want to keep eating the way I eat. Yep. Um, you know, understanding everything that we understand now makes me want to to treat myself better and do the right thing and eat yeah. healthier and why it's important and what I'm putting in my body, which yeah. I didn't realize. Um, you know, I've always joked around uh, with Agatha that. Like, you see the reports of, like, the, the 95-year-old woman that eats bacon every yeah. day or <laughs> yeah. person that, Like, I kind of feel like... Or is it you and I that were talking about the guy who hadn't showered in so many years? Oh, no. I, I did hear about died. it, yeah. 
you know, and I'm like, that's going to be me if I start eating healthy because my body, after all these years, has grown accustomed <laughs> and learned how to process yeah. how I eat, you know, and I'm trying to do it gradually, but I'm enjoying eating better and healthier, yeah. even though it's not every meal, but I'm happy that I can incorporate it. Maybe over time it will become more. Yeah. But it's it's nice that, you know, when you're younger, you just have that, you're immortal and mm. nothing's going to wreck me. At least I did. Yeah. Like, I can do whatever I want. I'll be fine. And now that you're, now that I'm older, it's like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I need to mm. take care for myself. But it's not even just I need to. It's having an understanding I want to. Yeah. And we, one of the things we were talking about uh, yesterday is something that Jennifer Maynard, who was on our Soils yeah. Pod episode, uh, Rude Discussion, said is uh, you should be buying, like, the U.S. is is unique as a whole as compared to other countries because we food has to be cheap. Everyone wants the cheapest food, and like I know my mom does it, my mother in law does it, my my wife even does. I even do it. I come back from the store and say, "Hey, I I was able to get this <laughs> this uh, pork roast or whatever. It had the dollar off sticker. I'm so I saved all this money. Like and she's like, it's a it's a Something that's going on in American brains where we're just when we go to the grocery store, everything's supposed to be as cheap as possible. And realistically, we need to flip that. I and mean, you need to buy the, the highest quality food you can afford. Yeah. That tends to be less processed, uh, more humanely or, or um, better raised uh, if when you come to, to meat. And um, it, you're, a lot of that money tends to go back to or more of it goes back to the farmer versus all the people who are in the middle who take that chicken and turn it into a chicken nugget because it goes from the chicken farmer to here to here to here to the processor to all these other, and everyone's taking their nickel or their dime and then the farmer's left with a few pennies. If you're doing something where you're spending a little bit more money, a a lot of times that's at farmer's markets and you're getting to know that farmer. Um, or even at the grocery store, it, a lot more of that, or a lot more of the money ends up making its way back to the farm in those cases. And I'll, I'll actually share that, friend, where, um, or spin off of that. One of the things I really wish I knew, even four years ago, is how much of our backyards and things in the woods are edible. It's, yeah. like, I, I was saying I feel guilty if I plant something that's not native, um, so much that I don't really plant anything that's not native, other than my vegetable garden. But even then, I was, it's starting to creep into there and say, well, what are some native plants I could be planting here instead and using as vegetables? Instead of planting um, broccoli, should I be planting pokeweed? And yeah. use the po- no, not that you have to plant pokeweed, but using the pokeweed for using the greens and, and I, always I made like poke I, salad. It was delicious. I, it was I, really good. I feel like I always have to say you have to cook it thoroughly or it will it's yeah poisonous. well that's because the one yeah. guy even though after we said it said oh you shouldn't be telling people to eat that because yeah. my mom cooked it once and and all of us got sick and i'm like well i said you gotta you have to like i think what did i blanched it for and typically when you say blanch it's like yeah. a very quick thing yeah. i blanched it for like 10 minutes yeah the the all i looked up six different recipes when i made the poke salad i looked up like five different recipes and the shortest amount of time anyone said to cook it for was five minutes. The longest anyone said was 30 minutes. I said, 
I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. And I went, I was probably closer to 15 when it was all said and done. And, um, yeah, it was really good. Like it, it didn't have much of a flavor originally, like, uh, like by itself, but like you had a little seasoned salt or, um, one of the recipes said traditionally they use bacon grease and just like toss a little bacon grease. And it was phenomenal. And I'm sure it had to be pretty good for you. Yeah. Um, so, but anything's good with bacon grease. Yeah, yeah, even beyond <laughs> that, like uh, the the black cherry wisniak I made, yeah. um, or cordial I made. I, it's been growing in my front yard for who knows how many years. I've passed so many black cherry trees. Never even thought about using the berries. I saw something actually where they took um, someone took the seeds, and I think they like a little added it to a flower uh, to add a little bit of like almond flavor. Oh, wow. um, but I think the seeds can be a little toxic. A lot of the stuff can be toxic if you well, have even, too much. Don't they even normal say, like, stuff is, like, potato isn't good for you raw? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. like, a lot of things that we eat normally, like, yeah. we just take for granted. You cook it all the time. You don't think about eating it, and it's raw. Food. Yeah, but, like, Comptonia or Sweet Firm, you can eat the seeds. Um, make tea out of the leaves. You can make tea out of leaves. Uh, I've even seen a lot of some recipes where they'll take the leaves and use it as if you, like, similar to how you use rosemary or thyme in, yeah. like, a, a braise, where you go, like, you're making that braise and you throw the rosemary and thyme in it on yeah. top at the end. They bundle up sweet fern leaves and do the same thing. Um, i trying to think, so, like, there's so much out there that I'm just trying to get into, and that was Sam Thayer's advice, is you don't know, you need to know every plant that's edible, you just need to know the one that you're going to eat. Yeah. I'm trying to expand that. I'm probably around, like, ten now where I, I know it, I'm comfortable eating it. I do need to make gumbo. All right. Because I took sassafras leaves, and I made filet powder out of them. But I need to make gumbo so I can use them. Because I don't know what else you could you use them for. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey, not Louisiana. So if you are listening from Louisiana, and you know other things Let to do with filet powder, shoot me a message, because I'd love to, to know about it. I, you know, it's, I, I would like to know more. I wish I would have... That's... I, I wish I would have learned more about foraging or edible uh, yep. native plants because um, I'm enjoying discovering it now. And it's, uh, you know, like teas, like Menarda tea yep. or, or, or sweet fern tea, those types of things. Like we have blueberry in our yard. We tend to let the wildlife get it, but I hope to enjoy at least like a small handful yeah. every oh, year. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something a lot of what we planted was to help incorporate some of that also. So, um, I'm hoping that becomes a bigger part too. I would love to go foraging more, like like for mushrooms. That's one thing I keep saying I'm going to do, and I never do it. Yeah. Or I never find the time I, to do it at I've, the time you need to do yeah, it. Yeah, I've done it a little bit, but I just haven't had success. I got a hot tip, or I think we all got a hot tip from Joe Cermelli about yeah. morels, um, and look where it was a. Uh, Tulip poplars and may apples. apples yeah. And I got a spot. All right. Well, you told me about the yeah, spot. Yeah. And I went to it. I didn't find one. Uh, but it's uh. But you saw the spot, though, right? But I saw the spot, okay. yeah. And um, and I was like, oh, yeah. This is, it was, there was so many of those combos there that it was hard to find a place to actually look because it was yeah. like, and then it was like, well, I don't know how far away I look from the tree. Is it yeah. right at the base or is it going to be up to 10 feet out, 20 feet? I have no idea. But, um. It's one of those things where, from what I've heard, it's one of those things It's like it takes forever to find the first one, 
And then once you've seen one in the wild, then it's like, oh, they this is... Out. Oh, there's another Yeah, there's this one. is, like, it's a lot easier. Um, same thing happens with shed hunting with uh, for antlers. Okay. Is, uh, is, like, once you see one, it takes forever to find the first one. You'll, you'll stumble across them, yeah. but when you're actually looking for them, it can take forever just because your eyes aren't, like, in tune with what they yeah. look like. And um, so much so that a lot of people recommend take sheds you've found before, bring them out, and put them out there, like, kind of hide them. Because uh-huh. then you'll, like, kind of train your eyes to know what they look like before you go out. But, uh, so, which is another thing. It's, um, I guess this is something I wish I knew that I've, I've been considering more and more is, uh, is the concept of leaving more of this stuff. Like, I, I really enjoy shed hunting. It just gets me outside. I'm walking around looking for deer antlers. For people who don't know, I would assume most people know this, but white-tailed deer uh, and a variety of other species deer, they drop their antlers every year. So in the spring, they'll grow these antlers up until about August. Then they'll start to, or September is when they'll actually shed the velvet. So you'll have a fuzzy coating on that. So there's a live bone growth, basically. And there's blood running to it. Well, that the blood-carrying skin starts to peel away and fall off. And then they'll have their antlers. The the males will. They'll have their antlers. And then in the winter, uh, about this time of year, January, uh, February, even late March, those antlers actually just fall off. And, uh, And there's some really cool research now where you can tell how healthy the deer was by how the antler fell off it was grown in or if it's concave or convex you can kind of tell if it was well nourished or malnourished um but yeah i'd really go and just enjoy walking around in the woods and looking for these antlers that make really cool like discussion pieces i have two um there's an eight pointer and i found the match set so you get one there's two antlers on each deer one on each side Sometimes you'll just find one side. Sometimes you'll find both. Uh, so I found both. They were 10 feet apart from each other. And I, like it just looks really impressive just having it kind of set to the woodsy tone of our living room. And um, and I found it for free in the woods. So uh, I just enjoy doing it. But then I've been thinking a lot lately. You know what you got to do? It's like... You, you know how, like, people... I, I, I don't... They popped up on my Facebook where people uh, will take shells... Grow yeah. with it and then take it somewhere else and say, if you find it, post a picture. Oh. You should just start planting antler sheds. <laughs> so, well, not to get too well, two two things before we get too sidetracked. First, we crossed into Maryland uh, about 10, 15 minutes ago. We forgot to update everyone. We are now in Maryland, uh, well on our way to Baltimore. Um, and two, for two years now, I've had a rock right in my glove compartment right here <laughs> that says, uh, it's probably underneath the mask. Uh, oh, there it is. You can pull it out. I found that in Lake Placid, New York. And wow, the back, look at that. It's, um, there was a note on it at some point that said, like, take this or hide it. Like, you can keep it or hide it. Just, like, take a picture, put it on social media, and then go from there. I hope the note's in there because otherwise I have no clue where it is, what I'm supposed know. to put it on. But, um, oh, you find money? No. Uh, okay. But, uh... Not a vehicle ticket. Like a parking... Like parking a pass parking ticket. lot ticket. But, uh... Yeah, but that, that's an interesting idea, is you take stuff... We... It's a big thing on cruises, too. They have, like, these cruising ducks and... Yeah. 
I was uh, kind of against the idea of the cruising ducks until I saw how much my son enjoyed finding one. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm all in on cruising ducks now. But uh, anyway, what I've really been thinking about is how, by doing that, I'm interrupting in a really important cycle in the woods for something. Yeah. Mice eat the antlers. I'm sure there's other things that eat those antlers, and it's an important part of their diets for that time of year because, like, they've evolved that this is what I eat at That's this time of year yeah. because it provides me with, I'm assuming, calcium and different nutritional stuff that I'm going to need for the winter. And by picking that up and taking it away, I'm sure I'm not I'm not by any means picking up any all the antlers in the woods. I barely find one set a year. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, if everyone's finding one set a year, how many mice are now not able to, or like how many of them are suffering because I took it just so I could sit on my mantle? I think the same thing about seashells. And I was like, the, the shells are like, you think about, well, hermit crabs yeah. reuse old shells. What other things are eating shells or using shells or utilizing? And by taking them away, we're actually, and this isn't just my, I've, read this someplace and then it really started to click and i'm like oh crap i probably should and same thing with um i think about with indian artifacts or native american artifacts is like i heard some interviews with all these things kind of i started reading some stuff about seashells and then the antlers and heard some interviews with native americans saying that they feel the best practice is if you find an, an arrowhead yeah uh, some of them should say you shouldn't even touch it just leave it there take pictures but don't don't pick it up. Um, some of them say you can pick it up, but leave it where you found it. And I know a lot of people who started doing that. Yeah. Like you take pictures so it can be identified, or, or but it was left there for a reason. Yeah. And um, maybe not purposefully left there, but it, it's there for a reason, and it's uh, it's wrong to disturb it in some way. So yeah, I think about that with shells and and all kinds of stuff. Even with, with foraging, well, what else could be eating it? So. Perfect. You know, it's not really segues what we're talking about. One thing I wish I known was how much of an impact I have personally. Yeah. Um, to the land and the environment, like like I'm much more conscious of what I do. You know, and it's like in planting new native plants. I'm like, I really need to water these to establish. Why am I not collecting rainwater? Yeah. You know, like, why don't I have a rain barrel or? If I do this, these are the consequences of me doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's I, I realize more of my impact. Or why am I raking leaves? Like, mm-hmm. I should be leaving the leaves. They're important. They're there for a reason. I, I'm much more conscious in everything I do environmentally as to what the impact was. I wish I had started that years ago. But I'm happy that I'm at that point now where I'm at least asking myself those questions and trying yeah. to do the right thing. Yeah. And um, another thing I just saw, thought of, <laughs> that, that it was, I guess I could save it for follow-up on a buzz. I probably will use it on follow-up as a buzz before this. I said something like ballot box ecologist or something like that okay. about yeah. about how people can vote for stuff that they'll, won't have any impact on their lives and you have people who are impacted don't get a greater say. Um, it's called ballot box biology. All right. I realized that last night when I was getting ready for this, listening to a podcast, 
And uh, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it's called. The Alvac Biology. <laughs> I could not come up with biology on the on the original episode. So but I'll cover that at another point at some point. But um yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's just important to be conscious. It's a, you can make decisions like it, whatever you're. We're driving in a car right now. I'm consciously making decisions to put emissions into the atmosphere, to extract oil from from the ground. Um, there's I'm sure there's cobalt in the car, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on with mining. There's uh, lithium in batteries. We're consciously making decisions just so we can go to Baltimore and. Sit in a talk about native ecology. <laughs> talk about native ecology, but um, I think you just have to be conscious of that stuff. It's it's impractical to say I'm not going to have any impact because just being alive, you are impacting other things. You are by by us by us two and being in a car individually, being alive, we are causing something else to not live as full of a life. Whether it's a, a bacteria, um, just that's the that's the cost of living. I think you just have to be conscious of that kind of stuff and measure your decisions. You don't want to get decision paralysis where it's like I can't do anything. But like, just I could sit on a a rock in um, in the middle of the woods. I'm still impacting something else's ability to live because I'm sitting on a rock. I'm covering up where they might. Like with a, that moss might want to grow, and now it can't. I'm so. I'm looking at even just small decisions, like the difference between this trip to Baltimore than the last one we made, where yeah. we we spent the time. Yep. We would have had a case of bottled water with us to last us oh, to yeah. the trade show. Yep. And this time I have my Yeti. You have your Hydro Flask. Uh-huh. Like we made a conscious decision to do that and do the right thing. Yeah. Like so, it's yeah. I I feel happy that. Like, we're slowly – some things are, are happening much faster than other decisions and realizations, but we're slowly getting there. It's, it's only taken 140 episodes of, yeah. of podcasts to help drive yeah. us there. But it's not – you know, but as we listen, we realize that all of this makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we're not just following what anyone says. We're talking to experts that are giving us the best scientific advice – to how make how to make things better, ecosystems healthier, make things better for all wildlife, humans, mm. animal, insects. One of the things that's been really interesting about that for me, as we've gone through almost three years of episodes now, is we've uh, we've had experts on from all over the spectrum. Um, now we haven't, although I, we've talked about getting things from like well, both green. Uh, energy uh, and extractive energy, um, and uh, and some things where people might have different opinions. But going back, I guess my thought is almost every single one of our guests have said the same thing. I don't think anyone's really disagreed on principle, like the main no, I agree. the main things we need to do as humans. I don't think we've to, had anything controversial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's well, not controversial to us, yeah. but it's like we haven't had an instance where, and this happens on other podcasts where it's like you have one guest. As the sun's starting to like get a little bright, I'm realizing I forgot my sunglasses at home. Yeah, me too. But we're gonna be inside for three days, so why does it matter? Uh, but uh, it's like we haven't had one guest who's like, 
oh, I listened to your episode with, uh, like, two earlier, and what that guy said, completely wrong. We've had, and we haven't even had something where we've had an episode where someone said something completely different, like, just, they've all said pretty much the same thing. I'll be honest, we, we have gone into a few episodes where I was prepared to disagree. Yeah. I was prepared to say, this may not go the way I'm thinking it might go, and, and if I, how do I handle it if I don't agree with what our guest is going to say? Yeah, yeah. But they've not worked out that way. They, they, they won't. And, and some of the times we try and bring on people who we think are going to challenge, challenge, challenge what yeah. other other things that have been said. And um, or I've like in one, I'm thinking of uh, National Deer Association. Yeah. Um, I would listen to a bunch of interviews before. I'm like, man, this is so in line with so many other things that Audubon Society is doing and, and National Wildlife Federation is doing. and all these, They're doing the exact same thing. They have a different goal in mind, but I think um, that needs to be showcased. Uh, I think people think they have a different goal. National Deer Association has a different goal. I think people need to know they're on the same team. And that's where Kyle Leierbarger has done a fantastic job of, like, it's uh, and he's still. I was on his page the other day, and I'm reading through the comments, and people are were upset that he showed something hunting related on his channel, and he's like, I'm, I'm, not, he, I can't remember exactly. He's like, I'm not a hunter. He didn't say he was a hunter first, but he's like, I'm a hunter, and I also love native plants, and we can exist simultaneously. Like, you, just because you don't agree with one section of that, because it happens on the hunting side too, where they have people like native plants. But just because you don't agree with one side of that doesn't mean that I should only cater to what you want. But, you know, it's we've had guests where we talked about cultivars, yeah. or gardening oh, yeah. cultivars. And which completely I, changed. Oh, yeah, I went in thinking I was going to my perception disagree. of it. Yeah. Not, you know, yeah, I went in there preparing to disagree and saying, oh, no, they're, our values align. We're on the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're really talking about the same thing. Yeah, and they make some really good points. When, like in cultivars in particular, it's like, hey, we, we're, we want more people to be excited about native plants, so if we can find a, uh, a wild-type cultivar of something that's going to have greater garden success, and now that person going to uh, their big box store or a garden center, and they're picking up a native plant for the first time, and you have something that is... 90% likely to be successful, or it's seed grown and maybe it's 75% likely? Is that greater chance of success, even though it's a cultivar? Yeah. But Because it's just going to open the door. Or they're like, not oh, wow, saying, this is a native plant, and it worked. And, yeah, and, so, and they're not saying, hey, let's plant 100% cultivars. Yeah. They're saying, yeah, no, we want as many natives as possible, but it yep. doesn't hurt to incorporate yeah. some if it makes the customer happy and get them more excited about doing this project. Yeah. So it's or just knowing more about cultivars and how pollinators interact with them. Yeah. And oh yeah. There were so many things that have been eye opening for us where we were prepared to to stand our ground and really we were all on the same page. Yep. And and that's what having conversations are about. It's some of these sometimes are difficult to have, but these conversations are important to kind of realize what everyone's intentions are. It, it's easy to just say, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. They're wrong. Yeah. And then you have the conversation. I'm like, oh, no, we're really, 
on the same page. We're talking about the same thing. Yeah. And it's just the approach with how do we talk about this on how to make the circle bigger and how to approach people and have conversations. Something else that uh, that I was thinking of, I, the last time I was on a hike a couple months ago with my wife, uh, we were talking about, we actually talked about it previously to this, and then we talked about it on the hike because we saw one. And this would have made like a great take it or leave it or, uh, or Tom's Petty. I guess it is still a Tom's yeah. Petty. Um, but the, the rock stacking, I forget what the people call them, but the rock stacking oh, yes. in like yeah. on hiking trails yes. and all that kind of going back to what I was saying about like leaving things where they are and yeah. not trying to minimize your disturbance is, uh, people don't, especially when it comes to the waterway, people do it in like creeks all the time. Or, or along the beaches yeah. that under rock like habitat is so crucially important to so many like macro invertebrates and uh or, or is it micro invertebrates i forget i'm not the the biologist here but it's so critical to different creatures um some of your larval stages of insects and that kind of stuff um that when you stack you're actually like destroying pretty significant habitat not maybe your rock pile on its own does not but when you have a thousand hikers a day and nearly every single one every single group is building one now all of a sudden you have a hundred or two hundred of these you just tore up a whole bunch of the bottom of that river and you have a stretch where you're not going to have nearly as many of that those uh really important creatures because they're the bottom of the food chain in a lot of cases. So your fish are relying on them and then you have things that are relying on the fish. So you, while it thinks it's like this natural, like, um, thing that you're doing where you're, it's not making an impact. It is actually making an impact. Same even on, on land where you like salamanders live under rocks and logs. And I remember flipping rocks back when I was uh, a kid going through the woods and, flipping over stuff and seeing what was underneath, what, what, and then you put it back. What made me think about it, it's, that was a hard one for me because I was thinking in the same lines of who hasn't walked by a stream and started skipping rocks? Yeah. You know, and you think, you know, you're probably doing 10, 20 rocks maybe, and then there's a bunch, like, and how many people are doing that same thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but they're still going back into the water. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That's that was a really tough yeah. one for me. But yeah, um, it's a, uh, it's something I like, again. I was thinking about it. Someone wrote posted something about it. I think Kyle Leibarger even posted something about it shortly after that too. And I'm like, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something so people think is oh so innocuous. Is innocuous a word yeah. meaning like not that big a deal? I think so. Um, my wife's an English teacher, was an English teacher, and she always, she's like, you say words, but you don't actually know what they mean. <laughs> Do it all the time. Makes you sound smarter. <laughs> it's a great, great life advice. Um, but people think, God, it's really not making that big of a difference, but when you say everyone's doing it, then it really does. And it kind of goes back to, why do we all feel we need to leave our mark that we were there? Like, you're not carving people your would, name in yeah, a Yeah, people would frown upon tree. it much more if we were carving our name into a tree. And But I don't know how many years. 40 years ago, people wouldn't have thought anything of that either. Um, yeah, we just, like, I don't know what's what's up with... I, when I go hiking, I don't even want people to know I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not changing anything. I can't yeah. say, I've never carved my name in a tree. I've yeah. never, you know, other than taking photos, I've yeah. never brought a souvenir home. Um, I have skipped rocks. You know, yeah. I've never done a rock pile. Yeah. Um, you know, we tend to to explore and leave mm-hmm. and, and, and leave nothing behind. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was um, even, uh, like, research I saw... I didn't really dive into it too much, but I saw like the headlines on talking about how, um, how it was, what was it called? It was like how close humans had to get to animals before the animals altered their patterns. And for some stuff, it's like hundreds of yards. It's not like you're like a a squirrel. Okay. You're a hundred feet away or, or 50 feet away. And they start to alter. They'll start to hide and alter. Oh, that's, Remember, uh, I'm trying to think of a good... Like, if you had a bear show up in your yard, you're going to hide in your house. You're not going to go out and... and That's kind of like what's happening to the deer and the bears. And, like, when they have humans walking through their environment is all of a sudden uh, they're going to hide. The same way a a squirrel or a deer is going to hide if a coyote or a fox or or, um, something they don't... They're scared of is going to come through. It's not just humans. But... um, yeah, I think a lot of people, like, you think about it when you're going hiking. You don't, they're blaring, we've talked about music before. Yeah. You're blaring your music, you're making this big commotion so that you can enjoy the outside, but you're, like, diminishing the the diminishing nature while you're doing that. Even just, yeah. even if you don't have you're just walking. Like, you're, things are going to hear you and get scared, and, um... Well, per, yeah. we, we get deer in our yard nightly, and it's, yep. it's anywhere from two to five at a time. And I'll be at a window, and I'll see them, and I'll go, Agatha, we have deer. Yeah. And they all look at me. And I'm in the house. All the windows are shut. It's, it's yep. winter. Doors are shut. And they hear, like, if I move the curtain, and they all look, like, they're yeah. all looking right oh, yeah. at me. Like, it's not taking much. I'm not trying to... Like, I'm actually in the house trying to be quiet, and they're still noticing me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't take a whole lot. And that's not me saying, oh, you shouldn't go hiking, you shouldn't go out in nature. I'm saying, I've been saying the opposite. It's just another thing I think we need to be cognizant of as we're going through the woods. You're, like, you're taking in nature, but realizing you're making an impact, too, and minimizing that impact. I think we have to live... I've said extractive a lot on this podcast, but I think, yeah, we just have like extractive lifestyles and I think we just need to be cognizant of it. And then when we are interacting with nature, we should try and interact with nature more often, but when we're interacting, try to make it so we're not extracting from other things. I just got to take it, take it or leave it for our next bus. Okay. I just got to great. I, I got to write a note. So yeah. I don't forget because I will forget. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a... I'm sure there's a lot of things I wish I knew 10 years ago that I, I'm i not thinking of now. But I think that's but, a good rant. You know, yeah. there's always things you wish you knew, but it's, I think it, it sounds like we're both on the same page with a lot of them uh, with with what we wish we knew. And it's just, you know, it's I, I, I'm proud that as I get older, I still have that yearning to learn. Yeah. That wanting to learn and to grow. And that's so important that you never know everything. You're never done learning. Yep. Um, and 
I, I, I'm still craving it. I'm still trying to, like, every time we have a guest, I'm like, oh, my God, what? I, I have to retain this, <laughs> you yeah. know? And we get, we're fortunate enough that we get the forum where we get to ask people that we look up to and that are experts any question we want. I do feel like a little kid in that respect. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, we have the opportunity to ask whatever we want and get a, get an answer, <laughs> you know, and it's, I don't think we've ever had a, a guest not answer one of our questions. Yeah, no, not that I can think no. of either. Yeah, it's, um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of where I was concluding too was it's important to just realize that life is all about learning and, and changing and there's a phrase uh, Steve Rinell from Mediator always used to say. It doesn't say as much anymore. He's like um, about things changing and opinions changing. And people, especially nowadays, it's like, well, this person he tweeted this ten years ago, and that so he, if he tweeted that then, he must think the same thing now. Or he said that then, he must think the same thing now. Once you're that person, you're always that person. And um, his phrase is is well, I used to oh, he used an expletive. I used to I used to poop my pants, but things change. Like I, I used to poop my like I used to wear diapers and poop my pants, but things change as you learn and you grow and you mature and have different perspectives and and different experiences. Your opinions change on things, and um, I think it's important to continually learn and challenge your beliefs. Um, there's yeah. a whole thing with Adam Grant, who I, I profiled a couple of his books, not because they have anything to do with native plants, but it's just that that mindset of like constantly learning and he's like you should want to find out you're wrong like finding out you're wrong means that you are so much closer to what's right and um and then he has i saw a graphic he put up about like critical thinkers and it's like you have people who are like um like oh i'm always right versus uh i hope i'm not wrong or what if i'm wrong and then like um I wonder what is right. Yeah. And it's just like finding out you're you were wrong about something. I find, I, I find out I'm wrong all the time, yeah. and, I, and it's great because it means oh I was wrong there. And you just have to make an active change once you find out you're wrong. Well, you can't stay. Well, I was I'm wrong, but I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. It's the funny thing is that's why I'm thankful I grew up in an age that I did because at least not all of my mistakes are living in infamy on yeah. the internet. Yeah. It, you know, like you're in an age group where you could go back and, and probably see a lot of your mistakes through. Oh yeah. Yep. Or or you know, and it's you know, so my generation isn't held accountable because yeah. you can erase them. But it's, it's like I, I look at Facebook memories, I'm like, ooh, I really posted that or I really thought that way. That's horrible. Yeah. There was that. um, and I've done that too. It's like, oh, I can't believe I ever, I ever said that. I took that picture. No, I can't believe I said that publicly. <laughs> yeah. There was uh something I it was like a, a tabloid headline or, or on Facebook the other day type thing, and um, but it was saying uh, I can't remember what celebrity it was. But they're like, oh, why was it so much better to become a celebrity in the '80s than now? And they're like, because you could do cocaine in the club bathroom and no one knew about it. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes there's a lot some of truth sense. to that. And there's, I was, there's some truth to what's that. crazy to me is, um, like, we don't get that political, other than when we're talking politics on the show. But uh, you think, like, with how true that is, that everything is recorded. Every, you can go back on someone's Facebook timeline on anyone and find something cringy they said at some point, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. 
over the last 15, 20 years. I got a Facebook in 2007. So how long has that been? 15 years? Yeah. yeah I was so say, probably for me it was like 2000. It might have been the end of 2007, 2000. Yeah. So like over 15 years, there's tons of things I've posted that I'm like looking back on. Oh, that was bad. And uh, a lot of times I'll say, I don't want that to be a reflection of me now, so I'll get rid of it. Yeah. But what's crazy to me is that we can do this for anybody, but you can still have someone like George Santos completely fabricate their life <laughs> and, and get elected to public office. And no one found anything on. Well, I guess a lot of people did find stuff on him, but it never really got out in big enough circles that it made a meaningful difference in that election. Um, and I don't know George Santos or his policies, but I do know the news stories about how he didn't work where he said he worked, and he was not um, Jewish; he was Jewish, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so but, you know, it's, it's, I, I, at least in a way, it holds everyone accountable. Yeah, yeah. And you can go back. I see these memories. And I can at least see my personal growth of where I was and where I am now. Just say, I'm not that person anymore. Yep. You know, maybe I was at one point, but I'm not that person anymore. And I'm proud of that. So yeah. it's a good way to at least hold you accountable to, to remind you of some of your prior mistakes, yeah. your past mistakes. So I guess in some way I should be thankful that it does exist to some extent to just, it's, it's just like measuring your growth, uh, in a way, yeah. publicly. So, Fran, I think that was a probably good final, better final thought than we asked for us <laughs> to each give a final thought. Yeah, I agree. And that so, was a good hour. Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember what you say at the end of podcast episodes? Can you, uh, can you, I I would sure. usually pull up an old sure. one when I do these on the road and record it separate, but I think we should just try it. I'd uh, love <laughs> to give a huge shout out to RJ Comer for our, <laughs> for our theme music. To make sure you uh, stream or buy his music wherever you consume music, or make sure you check out his playlist on Pandora. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, or Pine YouTube Land at Nursery. Or Pinelands yeah. Nursery, or uh, you can follow us on YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, I know. I typically mention the Facebook group. Yeah. I, I'm thinking there's something in... Oh, don't forget the question and comment line. Although I don't have that number memorized off the top of my head. <laughs> but uh, you can call the... Uh, it will be in the show notes. You can call, uh, leave a question or make a comment. We'll we'll play it on a future episode of The Buzz and re, uh, try to answer it to the best of our abilities. And a shout-out to everyone who's joined our Facebook group, uh, Native Plants Healthy Planet on Facebook. I think we're at 1.4 thousand uh, followers at this point, and it's been a great conversation. Yeah, no, really it's, a, it's there's some really cool stuff that's and been I've going made, on on there. I've made really good friends from that. Yeah, that group as well. That's our one way that we do get to interact with our listeners mm -hmm. on a daily basis, and, yeah. and I'm thankful for that. So, yeah, so you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. There's a link right at the top of the screen. It takes you to our Teespring store uh, where we have T-shirts, aprons, kids' clothes, baby clothes, water bottles, phone cases, all kinds of stuff that you can show not just hats. your your love. Uh, no, I don't think there's any hats <laughs> yet, Brent. Um, thanks for putting me on the spot there. But, uh you can show showcase your love of not just our podcast, but really your love of native plants and what they do for our planet. And um, I'm wearing a plant native plants shirt right too. now. I'm wearing one that says uh, the Doug Talmy plants on it because we're walking in this trade show and we're gonna 
make yeah. sure people know that we're all about native plants. We're wearing our native plant flag. So, uh, and then you can listen to our podcast, really wherever you consume podcasts, whatever platform you're listening on now, you can hear it there, obviously, because you're listening to us. If you're at all possible, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, if you can leave a five-star review, that goes a long way uh, into um, getting us into other people in front of other people's ears. And um, if you do a little write-up, I'll actually give you a shout-out on uh, on one of our Buzz episodes. So, and the the other thing that'll really help promote us with other people is you might be in the car um, if you're driving. Don't do this, but you know, you might be. Uh, in a college library or you might be um, sitting at work find someone near you within arm's reach grab their phone subscribe to our podcast new subscribers are king in this whole thing yes, get new yes. subscribers all of a sudden you get more new subscribers it's a uh, uh, just keeps fulfilling itself it's, it's, a, a pyramid it's a pyramid scheme, scheme. <laughs> so that goes a long way to suggest a, say you really enjoyed this episode suggest a friend listen to it say hey I really enjoyed this I think you might enjoy it too and, uh, and maybe they will, and they'll subscribe, and maybe they won't, and they'll they'll no longer be friends with you. Uh, you won't know until you try. So with that, I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you for taking this ride with us to Baltimore uh, this morning. We appreciate you uh, listening in. I'm not sure when this will air, so I can't say what you'll be hearing next. But uh, like always, there will be another episode next week, so make sure you tune in. And until then, keep it native. Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. All right. We're back. Now we got to back, merge back in the traffic. Right. <laughs> <And then> we'll... <laughs> oh, a trooper just pulled up. Oh, re- oh. oh I didn't realize there was a thing back there. Yeah, yeah. That's why I pulled Pull over up. where it was a little bit uh, I was like, oh, are they, wider. You, you come in to, they come in to uh, yeah. give you a hard time? Yeah, we're coming to you for live from the the shoulder of Interstate 95. Uh, we're <laughs> leaving Baltimore, Maryland. Um, just got through the tunnel and uh, realized my microphone was in my bag and I had to go <laughs> park and go get it. Um, got buzzed by one truck. That was a little close. Yeah, but, I was a little worried for we you made there. It. But this time, uh, we did one of these where we actually recorded on our way down to the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show and kind of talked about some of the things we wished we knew five, ten years ago and that we've learned over the last couple of years that, um, yeah, it's like, I guess, that, yeah, that we wish we knew. Like, yeah. things that we know now that, uh, if we known a couple of years prior, would have had some major outlook on life. So, Fran, there's no use. It's never going to stand up uh, the way you want it to. Right. I was just, it's leaning towards me. Up. I was just trying to. But, um, but now we're on the way back from the Mid-Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. And, uh, Fran, what do we want to talk about? I, you know, I thought it, it would be interesting since on the way down we talked about things that we wish we had knew. So we just spent three days in an industry trade show. I thought it would be fun to talk about what did we learn. Yeah. Uh, we're coming out on the other side now. Like, I, we're on our way home. And uh, it, it was, the you know, my biggest takeaway, be, besides the fact that this was a very well attended show and it mm-hmm. you know over the past couple of years attendance is always it's a big show it's a very big industry it's the biggest one on the east coast uh people were reinvigorated last year there was a covid yeah. scare and it, yeah. not a lot of people showed up and the year before it was closed and people were back and ready to talk and it was overall a very positive vibe yeah. um 
my, my big takeaway was that uh, the Green Giants are still the most popular tree for 20, 20 years running. 20 years later, yeah, for screening. And then my other big takeaway is that uh, my voice is hanging on like loose tooth. I was I was almost voiceless this morning. <laughs> after I've, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever talked this much. I've almost talked myself hoarse. And this is uh, it's pretty typical for me. I get home and it's like you can feel it starts to hurt and... Um, I couldn't. Could you imagine being like a radio DJ, where your job is to talk for like four? Well, I guess yeah. no, I, I should take that back. Like a sp- sports show person, where you're yeah. talking nonstop for like four hours a day. Yeah, um, that's that's gotta be tough. You gotta take care of your voice. Yeah. But um, my real big takeaway, honestly, like all all joking aside, everyone was talking about natives, mm-hmm. and there were people that came in that said, "My goal here was to learn more about natives." And there, even though there's more native companies, or there, there's companies that put native on their yeah. display, mm-hmm. but they're not a hundred percent native. But yeah. they know enough that it's a buzzword. Yeah. That they want to capitalize on it. But people that are strictly native plant growers, there's more, but less than ten percent of the the trade show. Five percent. I, I think ten percent would be. Generous. I, Less than five percent. Trying to figure out how many booths are actually there. Um, I want to say eighteen hundred. Yeah, there's quite guess. a few, and just walking around. If you look at the people who are like real deal ingrained in the native plant industry, not just saying, ah, you know what, this is buzzy and trendy. I'm going to start doing some more of this. There's, I would say, a generous estimate would be less than thirty. Yeah. And more realistically, it's probably might even be less than twenty. Yeah. Um, and, but there's ones I hadn't met before that I met there today. In fact, uh, I was talking to our new friend Chad from uh, Native Forest Nursery yes. in Georgia. And sitting in his booth was another guy. I can't remember his name or the name of his nursery. Yeah. But he was doing a very similar thing in Florida, on the Florida-Georgia line. So um, this is happening all all over the country. It tends to be pretty regionally specific. But... It's uh, an exciting time to be in the native plant world because I, I couldn't even count how many garden centers came up to us and said, hey, I'm really interested in bringing more native plants to my garden center, which is great for a lot of our listeners yeah. who aren't in the trade, aren't landscapers, aren't in the business, but they want to plant native plants, and they're a lot easier to go to their local garden center than try and, uh, well, another fun story, uh, one of our listeners... <laughs> We drove all the way down from New Jersey to North Carolina to visit Carolina Natives uh, Be Native Plant Shop uh, and, and load up their Suburban with native plants. Yeah. And um, I don't remember who that was. I remember they asked the question and I guided them there. But ah, that's awesome. That, that, like, that's awesome. You might not have to drive all the way down to North Carolina. I hope you do so that you can still see Bill and Shelby and, and that gang because they're great people. But you might only have to drive around the corner to your local garden center and you'll be able to find some, some native plants now. But the the other thing I'm taking away is if I mean we're a native plant grower but if we had so many new people come to us and this is an industry trade show mm-hmm. saying our goal was to focus on natives a lot of other growers have to come away with that mm-hmm. impression too yeah. that oh, aren't yeah. native plant growers so maybe that will change the industry a little bit too maybe we'll see a, a little bit more even if they're not 100% maybe they're incorporating more natives and maybe yeah. that will trickle down to our listeners to the yeah. to homeowners that are looking so that that is a great sign it, and that was um, 
an- another thing that kind of spun off of that, and this was something we've mentioned before um, on our show, and then it's been in the works for the last couple of years, was kind of starting to get some of these native plant growers together um, to brainstorm and, and kind of find out what our compare ideals and ethics and that kind of stuff, and what we really knew already, but definitely found out is most of us have similar ideals and ethics and and goals and what we want to see come out of this native plant movement. And, um, the big thing for me was we got together, we talked about this stuff and realized what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are and really started the baseline for having a united voice for native plants to make sure that like so many other industries, things that become trendy and buzzy and then everyone starts doing it it's like apple makes the first uh iphone and then everyone's making a a touchscreen phone and and uh has that the same shape they all basically look the same they do the same things but apple is the first one and not everyone had the same dream as apple they're like they don't have the same motive as apple they're just like hey we can make a lot of money if we have something that's similar to apple um not to say that apple wasn't trying to make money but uh, they were trying to, Tim Cook, or not Tim Cook, um, Steve Jobs was trying to introduce something that was going to change the way we live. Yeah. And the followers were, the people who followed along and copied what he did were just saying, hey, this is what's trendy, this is where we're going to make money. It wasn't to make our lives better. Um, we want to avoid that in the native plant space. There's, like any trend, there's going to be other people who say, Oh yeah, I'm gonna start growing native plants because, but are where are their ethics, where are their morals? Are they thinking about ecotype? Not that you need to have ecotype to make sure it's a good native plant, but it's something that should be considered. I think. Yeah. Um, are they willing to tell like the whole truth when someone's asking questions about pesticide use, and neonic use, and or that kind of stuff, and, yeah. provenance? Um, or are they just trying to, to get it out in the space and and hope no one finds out? And what was nice after spending an evening together, we, we, we had some very good conversations regarding this yeah. and that we had a lot in common, both work-related and unwork-related, and we had the same concerns. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked a lot about this, and, and it will move forward. This is yeah. just the first step. Yeah. I've, I forget if... If this was the Ufran, or uh, if this was on one of the ones I recorded with, I think it was with Kyle and Shannon. I first voiced it, but I think I've voiced it multiple times. Was even with um, some of the the cultivars and all that, which I've changed my opinion on, to be honest. But uh, with that kind of stuff, like it's it has a place, it has a purpose, and it's uh, I don't I'd hate you this. I don't want to call it corruption of native plants, but that uh, that mainstreaming of native plants is gonna happen. You're gonna have uh, you're gonna see start seeing a lot more native plants in proven winter spots, for instance. Not to say that's and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing as long as they're coming from the right sources. And uh, I'd rather see like if proven winters is getting their stuff and it's done the right way, I'm fine with it. I just don't want to see it. Yeah, but like, I don't want to see it get corrupted. I don't, and that's what we were trying to work against and kind of put our heads together and find ways that we can advance the whole native plant mission and, uh, and make sure it's it's going the way that science and ecology says it should. 
Now, speaking of cultivars, I had a very interesting conversation with Ann English, who's one of our listeners, but also the author of A is for A is for Aquifer. I have that book. Yeah. So she I stopped. Wish I didn't see her. Actually, she was she stopped because she wanted to take a picture of the Cattail Moonshine book in her booth. Oh no! And I, uh, because she was really interested, but she was saying that one of her neighbors, who was recently turned on to natives, had said that he was ripping out all of the nasty cultivars and planting natives. Mm -hmm. And she said, why don't you leave the cultivars and just plant natives Mm -hmm. and incorporate them? Like, it's not an invasive, it's not an exotic, it's it's cultivars and you're not hurting anything by having them there. She goes, they can coexist and over time if you want to do more, you can do more. So I thought that was a really good message or takeaway. Yeah, I agree. It's like, I, I mentioned, I through the podcast, really, I kind of changed my stance on cultivars, and I think they have a place. It's there is an importance there um, now, and and the people who are growing the cultivars, for the most part, the ones that are in this native plant space, um, not the ones that are going to try and get in the native plant space space very soon, uh, tend to agree with us that eh, the, to have a cultivar isn't great for a restoration project where you want this diversity. It's but for a garden worthiness, and you shouldn't have almost sometimes all the same cultivar in, in a garden. You might want to mix it up and have different stuff. Um, so it's uh, like there, there's definitely a place for them. And so I hated that someone used the term nasty cultivars because they aren't yeah. nasty. They're, they're plants. It's, uh, they're native plants in a lot of cases. Just because it has a name and quotes after it doesn't necessarily make a bit although you will hear that a lot in a lot of these native plant yeah. groups now um, and it's not something we do but i i understand that there's a purpose for them there's a place i wouldn't use them for a restoration yeah. oh, project but the one of the other takeaways i had was um being that it's an industry trade show i was very humbled by the amount of listeners that are in our industry yes. that yep. stop by the booth just to say i don't really get a chance to work with natives yeah. but I'm a listener of the podcast and I appreciate the work that you do yeah. someone even asked me that like how do you how do you measure like success with the podcast and I was like well this was a, a great great yeah. example and you have people that are like customers potential customers are just in the industry and interested in natives and they're coming up the and, and that they listen um, and even like we talk about Bill Young not that he was here but he's a a restoration professional, a college professor, uh, someone way smarter than me, and he listens to this and finds value in it and learns a lot. That that means a lot to me. That's a sign of success. You can we can look at the metrics and all that too yeah. until we're blue in the face, but um, that's not what necessarily keeps us going. It's that people find value in what we're doing and that we learn so much and as well. You know, if if it makes a difference to me that's yeah. successful, regardless of how many people listen. If one person listens and it makes a difference and, and they change some of the things they do. That's a, a success to me. Yeah, so. and then the the other one that I thought was really good is actually a, a friend of ours and uh, referencing their boss, who is also a friend of ours. Um, and they they all listen to our podcast, and <laughs> their boss is like, hey, "How do we do that too?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was well, like, we okay, had- that's that's very flattering that that people say, "Hey, this is successful enough that they want to to copy." Well, another it. another very large nursery in in. In our industry, uh, 
stopped by and said, well, now that you two are influencers, I guess I have to figure out a way to do business <laughs> with you. Yeah. So it was very flattering and very humbling. Yeah. And it was. And nice. I was recognized at least three times off of TikTok. Um, you were. Oh, someone so. else mentioned it to me when you oh, were okay. there. Oh, okay. And you were recognized. From, off of from, the Leaf video. Yeah, so. uh, they're like, yeah, you were laying in a hammock. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's what you took away. From yeah. that whole video was the hammock. So, but uh, that, for in all seriousness, it's very humbling when we run into people who listen because uh, it can feel uh, like we're talking to ourselves a lot because we we literally are. We're sitting in a car right now, talking, uh, to ourselves. talking to ourselves, and that there's thousands of people that are going to hear this, and yeah. uh, the not too distant future is is really humbling that they find value in yeah. it. We can't appreciate that. And we or, met we met Ryan, who was uh, our listener, who had listened to yeah, us for yeah. how many minutes? Uh, like, I think like, it was like months when yeah, he totaled months. it all up. Yeah. And he wasn't caught up yet. So it was <laughs> uh, it was nice to, to see a lot of our listeners face-to-face and, and yep. talk about it. But another takeaway for me was if you want to speak about the reach of native plants, Tom and I uh, had a little downtime and got to visit the Guinness Brewery and the first thing we noticed when we walked in was a Paul Paul Pale Ale. Yeah, and um, which, if you're in that Baltimore area, I, I'd recommend going to the Guinness Brewery. Uh, it's a really unique story of why it's here in the U.S. and um, and why they chose Baltimore and it's, uh, I'm not going to bore everyone with it right now, but um, it's just a, like a really cool place and they're, they're emphasize American creativity in their their brewing process yeah. and uh, so it's cool to see that everyone knows Guinness and and like the uh, the one or two more popular varieties and then the Blondale is their American beer that yeah. they came out with but they have like 10 or 12 other beers that they're brewing there that they're just trying out and seeing how it works and just constantly refreshing and like a, a lot of other craft breweries do. Now all native plant stuff aside it was my favorite beer that we had yeah oh yeah and I wish that that's I wish they had it canned so that we could have taken some home and drank some every time we record yes that would have been nice yeah that would have been very nice (laughs) unfortunately that wasn't the case but you know it was it was refreshing to see no matter where you turn there was some hint of of native plants there was a strong buzz about it in the trade Mm -hmm. show and it was a very strong attended strongly attended trade show like typically it's a three day trade show and the last day's dead and Tom and I were busy from start to finish uh, which was just a very nice takeaway like I'm coming back kind of like re-energized uh, yeah. oh, and yeah. refocused and hopefully we made some really good new contacts and, mm-hmm. and we get to spread native plants even yeah. further and, than and made did. a lot of new friends and, and strengthened bonds with old friends it was the the one thing we we alluded to it earlier but we had that native plant growers meeting and it's just we had nearly 30 people who were affiliated with growing native plants in some fashion whether they were business owners propagators growers uh, all up and down the chain and, competitors and, and, and of ours that were yeah. friends with all in one room uh enjoying a drink and some wings and and french fries together and uh and just kind of sharing sharing war stories in a way <laughs> <laughs> and um and that's like we like we alluded to earlier. It's really important to advancing like what we believe is the true like ecological reason behind why we want native yeah. plants. It's not just a buzzy trend word. There's a real purpose behind these, and uh, it's more than pollinators. It's more than just wildlife and, and erosion. It's all of these things, and 
it's one of those things where the sum is greater than all the parts. Um, and like, like I already said, it's just, we want to make sure that that message isn't corrupted into, Hey, it, it's, it's pretty and which is, it's still okay. It's, it's better than where we are, but it's, um, we got to make sure we're recognizing everything there and not diluting the benefit of these plants because we're doing what horticulture tends to do and smuggling and breeding and crossing and crossing until you have a plant that has a double bloom and it's neon orange instead of purple and it loses a lot of its its benefit because we need to manipulate this thing and so that it's it's what we want not what nature wants the the other thing too and it's not necessarily plant related wise but industry wide that people that we're friends with that are competitors as well we're very willing to share tips to make us more successful. Um, hey, you may want to try this product. This works for me, and I think yep. it might work for you. And and they have no gain out of it. If anything, yep. it hurts them. But it was the community of trying to elevate each other and help each other. And yep. it's I don't know that you get that with a, with many other industries or professions. Yeah, it's um. The nursery industry is probably second to the the seed industry in that, where I have not had many better relationships come out of the seed industry, where it's like they're just immediately helpful before they even get to know you. Um, But the nursery industry is is a close second in my mind for for the camaraderie that comes out of it. Just at the end of the day, we're all trying to grow something green put good roots on it and, and get it out the door in the hands of people who are going to love it and, and see it every day. Um, so we want you know, each other to be successful. It's not like banking where it's like, <laughs> we, well, it's a JP Morgan does not want to see uh, the Bank of America succeed and they're all competitive, competing and trying to, to one-up each other and all that. It's, we all, we want everyone to plant more plants and cure plant blindness and just that concept that people driving down the same highway right now right along next to us aren't looking at the woods and seeing white pines and eastern yeah. red cedar and all this other stuff that's that's sticking out and sycamores and all kinds of stuff so uh, and as well as the phragmites and uh the chinese silver grass i think yeah. i might just see back there and uh, and that kind of stuff we talk about well, just in a month's time from when we're recording in January, uh, maybe two months, we're going to start seeing the Forsythia bloom and the Bradford pears bloom and Unless, all that kind of stuff. Celandine and, and um, yeah, the stuff that we and plant like plant blindness goes both ways. There's the plants we like, and there's the plants we don't like, and people are blind to them in both regards. So yeah, it's um that was a, another takeaway for me was was how far we have to go in education about native plants and invasive plants. And invasive. I, I was going to say, you know, and, and friends of mine in the industry that believe that the whole talk of some of these plants being invasive as a ruse, yeah. that they're not really invasive because they're not really in touch with nature the way that some other people are, you yeah. know. And it's it was really... Sh- 
eye-opening to me that really you you don't think this plant's invasive like or you don't understand this plant's invasive it was yeah it was kind of shocking to me from people that i know and respect to, to yeah. hear that oh, from. yeah and it's um I, and not at this trade show but i've heard comments prior to this from uh from some folks oh how do we figure out that these plants are invasive and i'm like well they're like and they're challenging some other people's opinions and i'm like this guy's got a phd in ecology and yeah. the guy sitting next to him also has a PhD in, in like environmental science, and uh, and then you just because you grow the plants doesn't mean you know you know a lot about the plants more, more than most people. Yeah. But doesn't know you know how to get it from a seed or a, a cutting to when it's going out the door, and then you don't see it anymore. And um, I think a lot of people forget about that. That if you don't okay, invasive doesn't mean that it spreads. And it gets bigger right next to it. It could mean a bird eats that seed and flies 100 feet away and poops out that seed. And now it grows where it's not, where it shouldn't. I, that's one of the things that drives me nuts. It's like, how can you claim this is an invasive when I could take you just to the back of our farm and show you a whole bunch of privet, a whole, some uh, Japanese barberry, yeah. a, a multiflora rose out the wazoo. It's like... How do you not think this stuff's in, in Bradford pears as, yeah. as many as you could imagine? Like, and you're gonna deny that? Open your fr- do you not drive anywhere in the yeah. spring? Open your freaking eyes! Yeah, it's um. I think a lot of people it's just they're burying their head in the sand because there's that financial tie to it. And, exactly. And I like we're doing this to not the podcast. We're growing native plants to earn a living. We're we would be. But we believe uh, in it. Like we believe we're doing in it. it to make a difference. But we would we be uh, naive to think like, and we're having this podcast because it helps promote native plants. And the more people are interested in native plants, the more people are buying native plants. The more people buy native plants, that money's going to trickle down to us at some point. It's not like we're we're blind to that. What doing this is helping us financially in a way too by recording a podcast. It's, we're doing it for financial gain in a roundabout way, but we believe this is really important. The ecology and the environment, and all the science that backs up those those things. Um, it, there's, it's just overwhelming, and to see, like Fran, like you said, to see people we respect, like kind of bury their head in the sand and deny that. Oh, this, this isn't invasive, ha- this but isn't they're happening. making hundreds of thousands of dollars off that plan well you're biased in, yeah. in my opinion it's, yeah. it's but uh but from an NJNLA standpoint the New Jersey Nursery Landscape Association as they're still they need to put food on not just their table but all their employees and these are some big nurseries where they have hundreds of employees and okay you're taking you ban the sale of certain plants you're taking away meals from their families uh, or from their employees families so I understand. Yeah, we have to work together to to find an alternative that's suitable. Um, and that's, Fran, you brought a good point earlier too. It's not just just because Japanese barberry is now banned for sale doesn't mean you're not going to sell plants. Not like, okay. So I can't. I'm yeah. a landscaper and I can't put Japanese barberry in this landscape They're anymore. Plant something else. I'm going to plant something Fair else. Shit. It's not like I'm just not going to plant anything. It's. Um, it's being too comfortable and late. Like yeah. I can sell this. I know it's going to sell. People are just going to ask for it by name. They don't want to do the innovation. They don't want to. Yep. 
to be the pioneer and say, oh, this... When I started in the nursery industry in the late 80s, there were a lot more native straight species, native plants available in the industry. It was marketing that really took hold of this is new and improved, this is better, this is new and improved, this is going to not die, this is going to live longer. That's Marketing changed that because Uh I can go back to the first place I worked and go, oh, we were growing a lot, you know, uh, coral berry. We were Mm -hmm. going, you know, a lot of straight species. We were growing things that, Viburnum macerifolium, things that you don't really see anymore in the in the industry yeah and some of that like i wasn't around for this and um and i wasn't in that part of the industry anyway but i think a lot of it boils down to where where we were saying the nursery is like really friendly and helpful but there's parts that aren't and that's like when you're both growing a species uh native plant or any plant for that matter and it's hard to say well mine's better than theirs other than when you get it in the person's hands and they could see that which one's better. And they might not, neither of them might be, but they might be exactly the same. Um, but when you start to get into the the branding and the cultivars, yes. and now, now it's playing into uh, an emotional response or a, a neurological response from someone because they like the color, they like the, the, the pot or the label, or it's just things that are more attractive and alliteration is attractive and all this stuff. And you can start to steal market share from one another. Yes. So, um, yes. like, the Rose Wars are freaking oh, insane. Oh, that it's, is, is, uh, that's a whole nother, <laughs> yeah. a whole nother, uh, you know, who's, who's gonna release the next piece rose. Yep. And yep. it's, it's the breeding and the, it's, it's amazing. That's and a whole nother such world. A, 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 not, I don't want to call it a pyramid scheme, but like a pyramid of dollars that's like, well, if you're just growing whatever, like you're just growing and go grow red maple, well, if you were to patent a different maple, you could get rich. Like if you, yeah. you develop this new new maple that's it's more red or more purple or it holds its leaves longer, it does this or that, you can make a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. And um, so again, it's like I don't, I don't, um, I don't hold that against anyone. I don't agree with some of it, but it's, uh, I don't know. When you're just doing it for money and you don't actually believe in what you're doing, that's where it's like... Well, that probably occurred, like you mentioned, that that occurs in every industry. Yeah. And and that's why sticking together and promoting the right message Mm -hmm. is is really important to us because it's, you want to, you want to... If you're going to do something for a living, you want to stand behind something that you believe in. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we know that the good for everyone, you know, in the whole ecosystem, what this <coughs> means, you want to be, you know, you want to spread that good message and you don't want to see that tarnished. Yeah. Or taken advantage of. I'm going to apologize for coughing. I'm not used to being, like, when we're in the studio and I can, like, kind of turn my head away and no one hears me cough. Or take and a here, sip of water. You yeah. hear me cough and rattle my water bottle I can hit the cough button when yeah so it's but it's you know it was a very good show I think we we came they got them Fran yeah cops just whizzed by and pulled someone over (laughs) I was just fortunate it wasn't us yeah so Tom's driving very responsibly I wasn't at the time when that officer pulled out I was going that guy was driving driving faster faster than you (laughs) 
but it was a a lot of great takeaways um like i said we're leaving feeling very accomplished yet very tired (laughs) oh i'm so tired i'm feeling it when we had our native plant growers meeting right now we're gonna go uh to bed at a reasonable i had had a um (laughs) very responsible six drinks I, Which, uh, I was a very respectable three. I, I was, and, I was uh, behaving. I, we got to a point. I'm like, yeah, it's getting ten o'clock. I've already drank more than I, I wanted to. But, uh, but yeah, it's time to, to go back. And um, we had like a two block walk. But as we're grabbing our coats to go, we got pulled in another conversation that went on for another two hours. Two hours. Which yeah. and it was fantastic. I, I was so much fun. Yeah. We uh, weren't trying to get guys. out of the conversation. Oh, yeah. well, it was a great conversation. But yeah, it was an awesome conversation. Then I'm like, well, we're rolling up on midnight, and like most people, I also turned into a pumpkin at midnight. So yeah. Um, but but yeah. our our air the the uh, the fun stuff behind the scenes that you don't necessarily get to hear. So we get back to our we. Uh, Tom found us a nice Airbnb in, in uh, the that Inner was, Harbor. Which already, we're, yeah, we're two blocks off the Inner Harbor. We're at this Airbnb, which uh, they sent me the directions to get to. And it's like a treasure map. It's yeah, like, really. <laughs> take a left into this, this, back, this alley. back alley and <laughs> take 30 paces to the north. It, listen, it was an unmarked building with, yeah. with well, the, doors the, with no windows. The original directions that, like, they said, oh, put this address in and it'll take you to this this building. Um Took us to a demolished building. Yeah, it was, at which was, point I was like, I've been fooled. Yeah. Like, this is. I just booked a, a building that is no longer here. But it was, it was a, be- a building. It was there. a beautiful two bedroom, two bath Airbnb. But we, you know, we were very happy. So we get back that yeah. night, and we both retire to our rooms, not realizing that our rooms and the windows, which very high ceilings, very large windows, second story overlook the busy street. So it wasn't until the next morning Tom and I realized we both were woken up by the same thing. So at around 2.30 in the morning, it was someone yelling at himself or to yeah. himself as going down the street. Yeah, walking down the road for Just, a, a, quite a way, at least a couple blocks. Because I talked to other people who were also woken up by this same, same gentleman. guy, like a block uh, or two around. Yeah, yeah, a couple blocks away. And so, yeah, just walking down the street, yelling. And then the car at four in the morning that was blaring "Mo Money Mo Problems" at full blast. I'm pretty sure they played the whole song, drove around the block, and then played the whole song again. <laughs> so as I know, I heard it at least twice. Yeah. But it was, you know, you're you're getting a, a haggard start to the next day, and then we were out till ten o'clock the next day. All good conversations and and doing good work, and it's uh how many eight hours on the trade show floor each day and yep. it's i feel it in my legs i feel it in my throat like oh yeah my, th- my voice hurts yeah I'm, uh, I'm tired i'm happy i'm looking forward to sleeping in my own bed tonight. it's one of those things and i feel i feel bad and i apologize to my wife beforehand when this happens i'm like i don't want to talk or listen for, for a couple hours <laughs> just let me be so i wonder if this went out here friend no, it's still recording. All right. I don't know. I, just, I guess the phone went off and it said something different on there. So I but, think, uh, like, just looking, I think that's a good wrap-up of, of how we feel. You can tell we're a little tired. We're a little, uh, maybe a little cranky, but happy. Like, tired, oh, yeah. cranky. Yeah. yeah. Very happy. This We had some fantastic conversations, made some new friends, and uh, are very proud yeah. of the work that we're doing and very proud of the... Uh, 
the spotlight that native plants are getting in our yeah. industry finally. What I will uh, actually pitch here, Fran, is yes. um, I'm, we all know I'm an ideas guy. I'm always coming up with new ideas. Yes. What do you think about guided uh, audio recordings of what plants are on the side of the roads? And we oh. Say, this is mile 102 to 110 on, on 95 <laughs> in, uh, in Maryland. I Coming we, northbound, one hundred one point three. I see uh, a stand of red cedars. <laughs> I think uh, I think we'd cause a lot of accidents. <laughs> I, I did. One of our listeners said they would. When you were, Tom was out making a video of of other native plant nurseries in this yep. big trade show, and one of our listeners said, "Oh, I would pay to take that tour of of just oh, native the, plant growers yeah. in the, at the trade show booth." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, really?" She goes, "Yeah, I would pay for that." And I'm like, "She goes, I don't know where they all are, and I don't know who they are. Yeah, I would pay for a native, native plant grower tour of of Mance. Oh, and like this, now, this is a serious idea. Yeah, yeah. What we should actually not necessarily have a tour, but as we have our native plant growers group. Yeah, we we already said, hey, we're going to plan on meeting at these events, like not just Mance, but yeah. cultivate, which is a big show out in Ohio, and. You have Green and Growing down in North Carolina, which is another big show. And um, there's Far West, which is out in Oregon, which we don't go to. But I'm sure there's native plant growers who do. And um, I think what would be wise of us is to publish, or what, through this group, we put together what all our booth numbers are and have a name and have put out our own directory. Yeah. Like a virtual one, obviously. We're not going to print one and say, hey, can you hand this out? <laughs> the the yeah. people working the, but yeah, have it and put it in these a lot of these native plant groups and on Facebook yeah. and say, hey, if you're in the professional, you're in the industry, you're going to this trade show, here's the native plant booth. I think cut to the chase. I think that's a fabulous idea. Yeah, I told I you, like I'm to an ideas it. guy. You are nine you out are. of our, uh, I was gonna say nine out of ten. I'll probably go ninety nine out of a hundred are <laughs> bad ideas. But every once in a while, I stumble no, across I think, a good one. I think that would be a wonderful idea. Yeah, um, I think that's... Uh, and now it's recorded, so Alyssa Lewis is going to hold us to that. <laughs> She's going to put that in the Facebook group. Now, I will say this. it's it's, And this is a long shot. But the idea had been... The seed has been planted that maybe there's a possibility of a, a, another live show at a very big venue. Yeah, yep. So I don't want to say what it is because I don't want to jinx it. I would yeah. like, to, but I would like to see this happen. Yeah, we, yeah, we have a couple ideas um, of live shows that are in the works that might not be happening soon, but at some point. So, yeah, uh, yeah something that we can get a little bit more public facing and get out and see people and uh, see a live reaction. That's that was a lot of fun when you can kind of see. Oh, they're starting to fall asleep. This is, <laughs> but uh, they're on their phone. Yeah. They're not even. Yeah, yeah. They're not even paying attention. So, yeah, I guess. Uh, Normally, when people listen, they probably are on their phones. Yes, so. that's true. That's very true. But um, yeah, so I think that's probably all we we need to talk about, Brent. I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I'm it's trying. Like, to, I'm looking for other cool trees, but I'm I'm not that great at identifying at 70 miles an hour. So. No, it's a little hard, especially when everything's deciduous as well. I did so. see some uh, some Japanese honeysuckle though. Yeah, that of one's course. Easy to spot. Of course, so, that one is easy to spot. That's uh, one of the things my brother always says is like, you start going, especially the roundabouts tend to be really bad. But you start going through, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of invasive stuff that's just right along the roadside, and 
no one even knows. Um, Which is sad. Tree of Heaven, Japanese Honeysuckle, Privet. It's all right there. Fragmites is all over the place. It's all right there. And like like I said earlier, that we're just plant blind to it and don't realize how big of a deal it is. So, all right. All right. I think that about, we're just about ready to hit Delaware. And yeah. uh, we're on the home stretch home. So, uh, we're looking forward to releasing this. You can see what we wish we knew and what we learned. And yep. hopefully, you learned a little something too. And yeah. we appreciate uh, going on the journey with us. Yeah, do we so have to do the whole outro again? See, oh, I'm not going to cut it out of the first one. All right. Because we're almost 40 minutes. So, we might even release this as like a little special episode. All I've right. been thinking about that every once in a while. Do we just do like randomly midweek, just say, Hey, we'll put this out, too. Yeah, here's a special. Here's something in case you're bored. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I guess we should do that again. All right. uh, Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's my turn. And this is where I say, well, that's going to wrap us up for the day. Uh, I forget what else. Thank Thank you for for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pinelands Nursery. Uh, So we have to say thank you to RJ Comer for our theme music for this special episode. We can't do it without him. So make sure you buy or stream his music wherever you consume your music uh check out also his americana playlist on pandora uh you will be thankful that you did it's good gardening uh playlist um you can follow us on twitter at pineland nursery on facebook at pinelands nursery nj at uh i'm trying to think what oh at uh instagram at native plants underscore healthy planet or uh at pinelands nursery or you can follow us on YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Don't forget, we have the question and comment line. I still don't know what that number is off the top of my head. Uh, but it will be in the show notes. Uh, call and ask a question or leave a comment. We'll play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And we'll answer uh, your question or comment to the best of our ability. And uh, a bunch of new members. Every time I, I look, there's a, oh, yeah. we're approving a bunch of new members for the uh, Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. So, and it's a lot of great posts just while we've been at this trade show have popped yeah. up. And uh, Fran and I were rocking our Native Plants Healthy Planet merch all week at this trade show. We were. Uh, looking really nice and got a lot of compliments. And if you're interested in also looking really nice and getting a lot of compliments, you can pick up your shirts at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. There's a link right at the top to take you to our store. And, uh, and from there, you can choose t shirt designs that say plant native plants, eat native plants. Uh, native plants are for the birds all kinds of stuff there's phone cases aprons all sorts of stuff I, more than I could ever imagine uh, that we ever would have had with our name on it yeah um, and we don't keep any of that money that's we. the profits that come from those we don't keep it it goes to uh, organizations that that we think are doing really really good work um, and that's not to say they're the only organizations doing good work I wish we had more money we could give away to all of them and uh that's only possible if you buy a t-shirt that we can give away a little extra money to some of these groups. So um, You can also listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet by going to our website, but you're probably going to listen to your podcast player of choice as we enter uh, beautiful Delaware, uh, the shortest part of our trip because we fly through in about 10 minutes. The first state in the nation. And um, so, yeah, you're going to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, really every consumer podcast. Uh, it's always funny when someone... I got a lot of this trade shows like, oh, where can I hear your podcast? Well, anywhere you hear any other podcast. <laughs> it's not like, what do you think we are, a rinky-dink podcast over here? Well, you we're, know, we're influencers now. <laughs> but, but um, no, you can anywhere you can uh, you listen to podcasts already, 
you can find our podcast. Heck, you already found our podcast, so you're probably listening on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you choose. Um, and if it's all possible, this is the big, big ask we I give every week. Leave a five-star review. Leave a write-up. Subscribe. Share it with a friend. Uh, the more people who do those things the more eyes see our podcast and hopefully listen to it as well and learn about native plants and why they're important and and get to hear us rant and rave about all the things we hate like invasive plants and love like native plants so um yeah i think that's about it for me fran Um, i think that's so with that i'm tom and i am fran uh make sure you tune in uh for the next episode and until then keep it native Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.